welcome to Dutch Wine Apprentice, the podcast. The following podcast is an integral recording of our talk show, Seller Talks. This show was broadcasted through Instagram Live on our Instagram page. For this reason, there might be references of images shown in the show and the audio quality is affected. The full video recording of this show can be watched through our Instagram page in the IGTV section. This edition of Seller Talks Season 1 Episode 4 was broadcasted on Friday the 15th of January 2021. In this episode we welcome Elisabeth Moot. Elisabeth is the co-owner of Weingut Rappenhof in Alsheim, Rheinhessen, Germany. She is the 13th generation active in this 400-year-old family winery. In this show we talked about Elisabeth's career in wine, the family winery Rappenhof, their great wines and the wine region Rheinhessen. Hello everybody and today we have episode 4 for uh, Cellar Talks season 1 and we are already preparing ourselves for season 2 so we've got some interesting guests lined up for the next season and uh, today we're going to talk to uh, Weingut Rappenhof and Elisabeth, Elisabeth Moots. So I'll be uh, asking her in a minute to uh, to join us and Weingut Rappenhof is already online. Elisabeth. Good evening. Yes. Good evening. Thank you. Hello. Right on time. As German as you can be, right? Of course. Always. <laughs> very good. Um, thank you for being here. Actually, I'm looking very much forward to the show because um, we're talking about one of my favorite wine countries, Germany. And um, you guys got a lot of my favorite wine, Riesling. So I'm sure we have enough uh, to talk about, but there is uh, even a lot more uh, interesting uh, stuff to talk about because you have a very old history with the family winery and uh, you have a very interesting history yourself uh, or career, maybe I would say. So thank you for for making making some time. Uh, For the audience, we're also going to uh, taste one of the wines from uh, Weingut Rappenhof uh, later. So uh, stay tuned for that. But maybe we can start with a small introduction from your side, Elisabeth. So um, tell us a little bit about who you are and how you came into the winemaking business. Mm -hmm. Uh, First of all, thank you very much. I'm also very excited to be here um, with you. And um, yeah, so I'm Elisabeth from Weingut Rappenhof, um, co-owner of Weingut Rappenhof. It's a family-based, more than 400-year-old winery in the center of Rheinhessen at the River Rhine. So um, right now it's run by my dad, who is generation 12, and me, generation 13. And yeah, as you said, it's um, I did not like do the very classy way of getting into my family's business. So at the age of 19, I could not imagine um, being in Alsen, like this very small town where we are located for the rest of my life. So I decided to do something differently. And lucky me, uh, my parents gave me the chance to do that. So I studied architecture and um, um, yeah, studied architecture first. And after that, I went to Munich um, to work for almost four years. And yeah, after that time, I came back. So it was almost 10 years I was away from the winery, from the family. And at the age of 29, um, in 2018, I came back. And um, yeah, started 100%, so gave up Munich, 
moved into this very tiny, small town of Alzheim, gave up the mountains, the lakes and everything, and came back to the vineyards and um, doing something to completely different. No architecture anymore, but only yeah, making wine. Interesting. Um, so as you said, uh, the winery is uh, run by your father and you uh, as uh, and responsible uh, for the winery. Um, uh, you also said that it's not something that you uh, imagined when you were younger because uh, well, you had a different career in mind. Uh, sometimes things change and uh, also uh, going from a small village to a bigger city, you get a lot of new experience, obviously. But you uh, decided and opted to go back. And uh, now you are how many years uh, uh, back in the, in, the, in the winery? Um, I'm back since um, summer 2018. So it's two and a half years now. And the vintage 2018 was my first vintage. So okay. came here and started 100%. So it was, I think, July or so when I started. And then I had two months to like understand a little. And then I was harvest right away. So that mm -hmm. was quite intense. <laughs> Can you tell us a little bit on how that went? Because you, you already told us that it's not a classical way uh, of going into uh, making wine as a winemaker. Uh, of course, you learned a lot already when you were younger, being in the winery, etc. But you had to do some catching up, obviously, because, well, uh, going and studying mm -hmm. architecture doesn't teach you a lot about wine, uh, unfortunately. But you managed to, to pick up again. So how did you do that i mean a lot of people go to uh, uh to uh, uh, school wine school and, uh, and learn there but you have a little bit of a different way of doing that uh, in the past two years um yeah i have to say that of course i did learn a lot of things when i was younger so mm -hmm. in our family we always had to work um like during our free time so when we were on holiday our parents made us understand um actually the whole business and what they did and um where everything comes from so we had to work as well so for sure during harvest we had to go harvest and then when there was nothing else to do for sure they found some way to um keep us working on something maybe not mm -hmm. like only um labeling or anything things like that so yeah. i did get a lot of um, things um, when I was younger and also during my studies and also even during my time in Munich, I um, joined a lot of um, wine fairs. So my dad um, used to travel a lot. So we have quite a big export um, part in our winery, especially um, quite like um, far east. So we're going to Asia a lot. So I, um, my dad and I, we went to a lot of different um, wine fairs. So for like the, the tasting part and yeah. the, for my tongue, I uh, had a lot of experience, even when not studying, um, making wine or anything professional. But of course, all the technical part and that stuff I had to learn when I came back and I had to learn very quickly. So um, thank God I'm very curious in general. So I'm asking what a helps. lot. What helps, yeah, definitely. And what is important in that case. So I. Like I, I asked everybody and everyone that I could find, especially when we have, a, it's my dad and me and my mom, but we also have a great team that we work with. Some of our um, team members um, are in the winery since 30 years. So they know a lot. They know every vineyard with every little stone and um, everything. So I, I, I asked them anything. I would walk with them the whole day and asking questions and questions. And then of course I, I'm happy to have um, winemaker friends. So 
I borrowed all that book from Geisenheim University and I read a lot of articles online. And after that, of course, I had more questions or I had to find people who could give me these answers. And this is how it went. And then, of course, a lot of things by trial and error. So I, I tried a lot of things during first harvest. Not everything went well, I have to say, but mm -hmm. okay. And that's how you learn that's it. That's OK. I mean, there, there's always, yeah. like you said, a lot of people that uh, know uh, in the company that know a lot about uh, uh, every vineyard, every piece of the vineyard, every effect of climate, etc., yeah. etc. So even if you sort of make a mistake, which is not that bad, I mean, that happens. Uh, there's people to back you up and, and help you. In that yeah. yeah, I was not alone during the whole yeah. process. So that that was also like for me very easy. So I could go like take risks because I knew mm -hmm. I would not fall too, too low. So um, it was easy for me to um, like, yeah, to, to experiment maybe a little. Mm -hmm. And I, thankfully I got the chance of, from my parents or from my dad, especially who said, um, go for it, try yeah. whatever you want and we'll see how it turns out. And if it's nice, um, we keep on doing that. If not, maybe you have to find another way, but um, actually, that's how it went, and still, I'm I'm learning. And this vintage is completely different. Like the last one, 2020 was very different to 2019, and also 2019 was different to 2018. So, I have three different vineyards, uh, win, um, vintages, which are very, very differently. And yeah. um, I'm still learning, of course. But I think even in 10 or 20 years, I'm still learning. So. That doesn't that doesn't stop. I mean, uh, when I was in Germany uh, last summer. Uh, some of the winemakers I talked to also, obviously a lot of it's, it's family companies. So a lot of them, uh, when I talked to them, they were uh, working besides their parents for already maybe 10 years before they got a chance to take over. So they had, let's say a longer period, but yeah. even then you cannot catch up with experience that is 40 years old. I mean, of like course. I said, every, every vintage is different. Every uh, effect that there is on a vintage is different. Uh, the nature develops itself, the climate changes so uh, that will never stop so in that aspect okay you're never really ready but um i think in two years you uh, managed to do a good job to uh, to really catch up and uh, and now be uh, very right. responsible have a responsible role in the, in the winery yeah, good. Um, maybe we uh, can talk a little bit about the region uh, first so um I should not forget that you uh, about the history of the winery as well, that you are a very old winery. So uh, the, the vineyards have been in the family for a long time. Uh, uh, what is the age of, uh, of the, the vineyards that you have and uh, the age of the winery uh, in total? Maybe you can tell us a little bit about that. Mm -hmm. So um, the winery was founded in 1604. Um, but um, at that time, for sure, it was not only wine, it was wine, it was agriculture, and we had horses as well. So this is mm -hmm. also the name comes from um, Rappenhof means yard of black horses. So and then after a while, everything else was um, left by side. So it's only the, the winery which is left. And um, so the whole family is actually in there 100 percent. And um, yeah, so we as every winery during like maybe the last few hundred years, we um, went through different processes. So um, my grand, great, no, my grandfather, great grandfather, um, he was uh, one of the first um, people in Rennhesse who had these um, biodynamical um, ideas. So mm -hmm. he was working a lot with nature and um, very um, yeah, near nature. And then my grandfather, he was a little more into, um, 
like he was the one actually who, who brought us to VDP. So he was maybe, maybe mm -hmm. a little more market orientated. And so right now I'm still finding my way of. Um, you have your own, your own profile and your own things, what you think that are interesting and important. And everybody has his own ideas. Huh? You need, you need both, right? So you cannot like do one without the other, but um, it's always um, like, um the challenge is to find a good like a, a good mix of all so this is um I agree. yeah so right now um we do mostly riesling so this is our main field and then um actually in mostly in the most cases it's dry dry wine and um, let me show uh, the audience a quick map so for those yeah. people that are not so familiar in uh, in germany um this is the german wine regions obviously uh we look at rhine has some sort of purple ones and then we have this area where you guys are uh, mainly located so um there's a a couple of different important vineyards in the area you see in the left bottom you see alzheim where you are uh, with the winery is located right yes. so um this area uh, not a lot of people uh, know uh, let's say in germany it's a famous area so rheinesse is a famous production area but also the Rotterdam is is very uh, famous area with all the vineyards there uh, of which you own some but for some people that might not be so uh, familiar so also people that don't come from germany or don't have that much of a let's say elaborate experience with riesling because you have riesling but it's in a lot of different regions but um if we talk about this um where are the, the, the vineyards located mainly in in Rheinhess, in which area so um like we are like our vineyards are actually all on like on the river Rhine, what you can see here in light gray. So this is mm -hmm. supposed um, like a, a picture of the river Rhine. And then um, so for us, the, the vineyards in Nierstein, it's Pettental and Ölberg, our GGU sites. They are the most more, more most northern vineyards. This one. Mm -hmm. So I think it's um, here, yeah, it's uh, I wanted to to point with my finger, but doesn't work. That's not that's not possible. No. It's in the upper, so it's, it's along the river. So you see these gray areas, which is the vineyards areas, obviously, and they uh, take effect from uh, from the river. So that's also, of course, why they are located there. Um, why is it very important that you guys that the vineyards and areas are close to the river and uh, let's say the hillsides uh, next to the river? So what is one of the most important things about the Roter Hang is, um, of course, on one point um, the near that they are near the River Rhine, but um, it's also the the steepness. So they are really really steep. So um, Pettental, I think, is um, one of the deepest um, areas over there with a um, um, steepness of up to seventy percent. So it's yeah, that's. You can see a little bit on this picture, but. Yeah see the people working in the vineyard but that that's what the process is the steepness and that's where the grapes uh, benefit from basically exactly so it's um it's the steepness so they um they benefit from a very long um um sun hour actually so it's mm -hmm. like you can imagine um, as steep as the and the steeper the vineyard is the more sun they get the more sun they get during the day and uh, Pettental is a vineyard which is southeast um, orientated so you get sun in the morning and then 
during the day all over and um, so they are actually sun-kissed the whole day which is pretty cool but of course um, in terms of climate change also uh, something that we have to deal with how we can like um, uh, save our our grapes of not being uh, sunburned or anything so mm -hmm. we have to about leaf management and things like this but um, so here's the hilly sites uh, where also a lot of the vineyards are situated vineyards are situated so how many different vineyards do you have in total I don't even know so like maybe 70 or so or and but but they're divided in different uh, qualifications yeah, yeah. right so we have um from the most southern to the most northern vineyard it's around 15 kilometers so it's also pretty challenging during harvest with a tractor and um you cannot go very fast so it takes a lot of time um, for us to go to nierstein and take our grapes home but um, it's definitely worth it so it's one of our most uh, important sites and then we have actually um, vineyards all from like from nierstein um, up to to south in every other so this is oppenheim what you can see right now we have also a gg site over there it's called herrenberg and um it's right next to this impressive old gothic church it's pretty nice to work there actually and uh, have this atmosphere around and um then we have have another like a few more in Dienheim. it's also the wine that we will taste yeah here. it comes from Dienheim, and then there are some smaller towns um next to Dienheim, and then you come to alzheim where, where also the winery is located and actually here are most of our vineyards and uh, the most interesting thing about Alsam is that we never had a land consolidation so we have very very um original uh, vineyards so and also very small mm -hmm. ones so sometimes they are only like four four rows or so this is the one vineyard and then yeah maybe that's why that's why you said maybe we have 70 vineyards i don't know yeah. i mean it's hard to count them if they're really that's I mean, pretty small and yeah. some some of them like maybe only um, 500 um, uh, square meters, but um, yeah. This but do you do you use these 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 small parcels also in special selections? What you see is that a lot of wineries look at the terroir and then they see a difference even in smaller parcels in a uh, uh, in a vineyard or in an area, and then they say, okay, this is looking at that. Some mites or grapes mites are uh, be ripe quicker, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, or the the vines may be all older in that part. So do you in your selection take that into account? Definitely. Yeah, we have that um, effect as well. Sometimes in one vineyard, we have to um, harvest um, four or five different times because we have completely different ripening process or ripening. Mm -hmm. So um, that's definitely within one vineyard, you can even see a difference. And of course, if you like, if one is a little in Alzheimer, we have a lot of terrasses, like really old less terrasses. And then if the one terrace is a little more like more more southern or a little more yep. northern or a little i don't know um orientated in another direction so it gets more wind or so you have other ripening processes and then the timing is different and as we know timing is all in making wine um you definitely can deal with these um products very differently and then we yep. put them in tanks as well or different barrels and they sometimes develop very very differently as well even if they come from the same vineyard 
Yeah, and and then in that case, uh, that means uh, in the weeks around harvest, you uh, on a daily basis you have to walk around and actually inspect visually what's happening. So uh, your whole day is basically filled with uh, uh, going through all these uh, yep. uh, parts of the vineyard to see what's happening and then uh, take action when it's needed. Exactly. Sometimes this is like um, half a day is only checking grapes. So yeah. and as the vineyards are located on so many different spots, um, it's also a lot of like um, driving and checking and going back again and next day again. And during um, really heat, really hot um, periods, sometimes the grapes, they add up to two degrees a day. So and you want to have like the perfect timing. So you have to check very, very um focused and very very often yeah so uh, uh, 85% if i read correct uh, of your production is riesling right um yeah maybe a oh, little more or less yeah like 80 yeah. 80% around that yeah and then we also have um pinots like pinot mm -hmm. blanc pinot gris chardonnay we do and uh, pinot noir yeah but this is what you can see here is mellow so mellow. Even yeah, yeah. Very, very small vineyard, really small uh, with Melo. It's like a thousand liter a year. This Not personal consumption, uh, well, a thousand liters is still a lot, but very, very small. <laughs> Actually, it's quite fun to have like to experiment a little and mm -hmm. to see uh, also how this develops. And yeah, so. Well, it brings us to a question. Well, uh, this one I'm going to pick out and not wait until the end because it's a very, I think it's a topic that is very hot at the moment, the climate change. Um, is this also one of the reasons why you're now experimenting? Because you want to see what the effect is. Uh, certain grapes, uh, well, I would say 10 years ago, you would not even try to uh, uh, grow them in the area. And maybe now you're testing to see what the effect is. Is that, is that correct? Or is this, I mean, the climate change obviously has an impact on all the vines that you have in, uh, in, in the area. Definitely. I think um, it's something you have to do because um, you never know how, um, how the um, future is going to be with all the grapes. So Riesling is not the easiest grape variety. It's very sensitive. Mm -hmm. And I, the hotter it gets and the less water we have during summer time, we have to find other ways to protect our quality and to like still yeah, keep the quality um, of the grapes. So um, one point is definitely leaf, the leaf management. So yeah. we... The timing here is also very important. You don't want to be too late because otherwise um, all the grapes, they, they like they don't have any, any um, um, uh, anything like uh, that keeps, provides them from the sun. So they get mm -hmm. sunburned. No protection. Yeah. yeah. And I, I know that like maybe even my grandfather or so, they did very, very sharp uh, leaf management. They took away a lot of... Um, they needed all this sun, it, the little bit of sun that there was, they needed to maximize on this uh, on this potential. But you, it's the other way around. You try to protect right. more or less we the do it the way around. And this is something that we tried very early already. So we like, sometimes we did in one vineyard, we had five rows um, on both sides, five certain rows on one side, five on the other, and then um, figured out which is the best and then um so this is actually the like also trial and error and see what is best for our grapes also yeah. for sides. so um it's not the same even like if you have uh, vineyards with all the same grape variety they develop differently on different um um in different locations so it's yeah. always you have to find the perfect um 
way of dealing with the grape on exactly this place. Yeah, I, I agree. And also last summer, I, I, I talked to a young winemaker and he said, well, people are perceiving this, uh, this, this, these years where we're in right now as the golden age for winemakers in Germany. If you're now younger and you're coming into the winery, you have, a, let's say, a lot of uh, benefits from the climates as well. Uh, on the other end, uh, it goes very quick. So nobody knows how long that's going to take. But if you look back, let's say 20 years ago, you had a lot of years vintages for the harvest didn't even ripe, uh, ripen and especially in the Mosul it's even worse obviously because they're up north more but in Rheinhessen you had the same problem that the, your father or your grandfather and even longer ago as well they had vintages that just didn't ripe because there was yep. not enough sun so yep. yeah yep. I think it's a chance as well I mean especially for example also for red wines um, we can we are able to produce pretty good red wines um, nowadays, yeah. which we are, we're not able in former times. But um, also, it's it's challenging, and you have to find a proper way for exactly your um, uh, your circumstances. Yeah, and you told you told us that um, uh, you have a family uh, a family company with a lot of people helping you out. But um, next to that, there's even another important uh, 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 mitarbeiter. <laughs> Uh, in the company so this is uh tell us a little bit about who this is yeah this is actually um like the the, the main main um employer of the of the winery so but maybe yeah maybe he's the the one who um is most important uh mm -hmm. right now we got him that his name is hugo so it's um it's a deutsch kurzer sherman short hair pointer mm -hmm. And we got him last year in April, so he's almost one year old. And um, actually, it always been um, my my dream to have a, a dog again. So we always had dogs. Like my grandparents had dogs, and uh, we'd had a dog when I was small. But um, yeah, I, I moved to Munich, and of course, I was not able to have a dog over there. And then when I came back, that was the first thing I said: I need to have a dog again. <laughs> get hugo and, and people and people that know you already uh, they know that is uh, not hugo but it's hugo the hunter it's hugo the hunter yes <laughs> so he chases rabbits or what does he do he does change whatever uh, he can get <laughs> mostly round things he loves everything round he loves even if it's not a ball or anything it's just grapes as well grapes yes as well and um yeah, so it's quite exciting with him. Thankfully, he's really, really nice. So everybody likes him, but he's also, yeah, he's very active. He's a more of an active dog as well. So on this picture, he's pretty, like, yeah, ch charming, I would say. Yeah, so. I but he's not always like this. He's also so running he's around and being very uh, active. Running around, destroying things, hunting stuff. <laughs> so I, um, my mom is taking care of him right now because mm -hmm. um, otherwise, I would not be able to sit he here. Would disturb, he would disturb the show. He would disturb, yeah, and he uh, would be, yeah. <laughs> well, it's nice to have him still here in the picture. Then. Yeah. No, he's, he's really, he's like, um, a lot of things change since we have him. He's really like a big part of the family, but I think it's pretty nice. As I grew up with the animals, I I think it's a, it's a very, very nice thing to have in like a, a family dog and also in the winery it's it's also pretty nice i agree there's always life when uh, when the dog yeah. is uh, walking around Definitely. so uh well this is not a full picture but here you see you working in the in the vineyards 
And um, what I've also noticed, I would like to point out for the people who are not following you yet, that last uh, harvest, you did a nice series of stories on um, Instagram for, uh, I think, with VDP together? Yes, that was for VDP, yes. I was a Instagram takeover of VDP channel, yeah. Yeah, so that's really nice for the people who didn't see it. And of course, everybody should start following Kappenhof uh, uh, after this uh, session. But um, it's really nice to see you you're walking us through the harvest, basically, and through the vineyard. So a nice series of videos. So uh, I hope you keep on doing that uh, also in the future. Maybe not with VDP or without with v VDP. But it's really a nice addition because I think uh, a lot of people use Instagram to learn also about uh, winemaking, wine growing, etc. So this is also obviously why we have these uh, shows, but it's, uh, it was very pleased to see that you uh, actually really spent time to explain also to people how the Thank wine you. becomes, uh, how the wine goes in the, in the bottle and in the end ends on in, in the glass. It's not something that grows on the tree and is instantly wine. There's more to do to get yeah, it there. Um, so for us, some things are just very normal. So it's our life but um we sometimes forget that um for for people who are not in the wine business or who just like to drink wine and never have been part of the process of producing wine um to like they don't maybe they don't even have any idea of how this works and so sometimes you just have to think of um like explaining the basics so i think that on that day i think we were harvesting um cabinet uh riesling cabinet in mm -hmm. Alsa in one of our older um, vineyards, which is pretty cool as well. So it was a good coincidence on that day. But um, yeah, sometimes um, I have to remember to like show yeah. base, not be too technical, but I'm, I'm working on that very focused. <laughs> very good. Okay, um, about, uh, you, you were saying cabinet, so that's already triggered me. Uh, you sent me some wines, uh, already reviewed. Uh, one but of course there's more that that are gonna come you have the the great chardonnay which obviously is not uh people not something people would think of straight away with a german winery but more and more winemakers in germany are growing the chardonnay grape so uh, and actually to very good uh, to make very good wine so i was really impressed with that um but like we said it's uh, mainly a riesling um compared to other regions like mostly the Mosul, uh, it's dry Riesling. Uh, you have Cabinet, uh, for example, but um, not really, uh, you don't have the spade laser, house laser, etc. correct? Uh, we do. Or we maybe are. for... But um, it's not the, like, not our main topic. So, yeah. so we do that when, like, we always say, when nature gives us the chance, uh, we try to do spade laser, house laser, sometimes even BA or TBA. Yeah. But was not every year um it's possible is it difficult because you have to think in advance am i going to wait and leave the grapes and well you never have really uh, uh the guarantee that it's going to turn out how you want it to be so the thing is what you have to think of is um like if you can risk um on losing a lot of um grapes because of rain so if it rains they might like um rot and fall down yeah or they might just rot which is also not nice or they might be full of water which is also not nice so um rain is like a really big problem when you want to do mm -hmm. another wine and then another thing is and this was actually um, the problem last year so i was planning on doing like an, an auslese last mm -hmm. year but um it didn't work because the, the acidity just was not good anymore so yeah. 
um, the, the the grapes they they I mean they they were really ripe like the axle was okay but the acidity was really really low and for but the payoff the payoff the balance between the two which yeah. makes it so special and unique it, it was not there at, at, at that moment and you need like for a noble sweet wine that this is a wine that you want to keep for like for ages hopefully yeah, or it needs ages. the acidity otherwise you, it will not uh, last for uh, exactly that's um that's one of the the, the biggest goals in doing is a sweet i mean sweet wine is not only just like um letting the the grapes ripe very very uh, much it's it's definitely more than that and you need acidity yeah. to be pretty good so unfortunately there's no auslaser in 2020 but yeah. maybe we'll have but it's it, it's interesting because okay we have also uh, um since quite some time in some areas in germany we have uh, ice wine now but also for that you need to everybody wants it as, uh, at the moment i mean for years it was not that interesting you can even get a lot of bottles from the 70s or 80s now on auctions because right. well there was a lot of wine ice wine made but nobody bought it at that point now it's becoming really hot everybody wants it but the the weather or the climate doesn't really allow us to to do that successfully every year you see some uh, uh, wineries also in the area in, in Rheinhesse that, that took a chance and, and this year harvested to, to make some ice wine. But that's even, I can imagine, it's even more difficult because you have to really wait. And then you have this very small window where you can take uh, after risk and uh, a win or lose, basically. Exactly. Yeah, we did that as well in former times. We did ice wine, but um, I don't know, maybe last time 1990 or so i don't yeah. know long ago so it's for us it's not a big theme anymore um even though you're right people keep asking but it's more like a few maybe in asia it's still a thing well that brings me to to one another question you talked about export and uh, it's uh, for for you guys it's an important uh, uh, part of the, of the business that you're doing uh, asia is an important region still a lot of uh, people in asia buy the german sweet wines so in that perspective but also the dry ones uh, they're very uh, let's say popular but um i, I think uh, the picture that we used in the announcement i think was for hong kong when you were there i don't know if you recall which picture it was but i think yeah. it was uh, taken in the um, yes yeah, yeah. So, what do you guys sell basically in 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 the export business? Which wines are popular for export at the moment? Um, so it's I would say it's ninety percent riesling, still, mm -hmm. and then um, this changed um, a little. So um, I remember the first fairs that I did was a lot of um, like the sweet wines that were asked mostly, like Auslese, Spätlese. Even though we don't produce them every year, we always what we do is um, keep wines from older uh, vintages um, like keep them in our cellar don't put them um, for sale don't uh, offer it's them it's a good thing because not everybody does it but <laughs> if you want them you need to keep them yeah exactly. and then um, some of the wines they just need time to develop and if you want them to be on the perfect like in the perfect timing and in the perfect um, condition um, to sell or to, to show customers you have to wait for a while so um i'm very happy that um, like my dad and my grandfather they decided to do things like that so we still have some pretty interesting things like tbas bas ausleser also mm -hmm. from nice sides like patental or so and um so these are wines which have been really really interesting 
interesting um, for the Asian market. But um, since some years, it's more like also the like the basic wines, like Gutswein, for example, Riesling Gutswein is the main thing. GG is also um, highly um, asked. And I'm but it's interesting because you said the good swine, but uh, a lot of people, um, maybe I don't know about Germany, but in Holland, for example, um, if, if you, the thing is, if you create these categories, people start to think in a certain way. So you have these yeah. levels, so people see a pyramid and they see the bottom and they're like, okay, hmm. uh, they look at the price, you see the differences in the prices and then they'll go like, okay, maybe that's not really a good wine. But you cannot say that because especially in Germany, the quality, overall quality is very high. So a good wine or Ortswine is a, a very good wine. And I think maybe I can only assume that in other countries, people uh, are, are also more judging uh, German wine as a quality product. And for that reason, a good wine is a German wine and therefore stands also for good quality. Definitely. So it's, of course, um, People sometimes just see the price and then they mm -hmm. see the, the um, bottle, which is pretty nice with the GG sign on, on the bottle, everything. But um, we always try to educate our customers that it's um, the pyramid is not the quality thing. It's more like um, the origin thing, which changes. Yeah. The, the, the typicality of the uh, of the vineyard this is what you want to find back in the wine so what is the yeah. typical expression for this vineyard and that can be something you like and it can be something you don't like so uh, one vineyard compared to the other can be very different although it's the same grape and people have a personal preference which they sometimes don't really know they think riesling and then that's it but obviously there's much more to it then yeah. Yeah. even like in in even only in our winery, we have three different kind of um, terrain. We have three mm -hmm. different kind of soils. So we have the um, red slate in Nierstein, in um, Oppenheim, we have limestone, and in Arzen, we have Löss. And then if you produce a Riesling from all these three different um, areas, they taste and turn out completely differently. Yeah. And they all come from one cellar, from one winemaker. and um, Same year. Same style, yeah, same oh. year. Same Right, sometimes even planted in the same year, so not a difference in the. Uh, well, you're, you're very lucky that you have these terroir differences as well, yeah. soil differences, because well, not everybody has it. But it's uh, let's so um, let's taste something because um, you already yeah. uh, poured a glass, but I'll uh, I... show to the people what we're drinking today. So today we're having. You can explain because you're the winemaker here. So tell us what we're drinking. I... So um, we are drinking um, VDP Ortswein, so which is the second um, um, classification um, uh, level on the pyramide. So the idea about Ortswein is to create a wine which is terra orientated, so which is like shows the typical terra of this certain um, town or city or whatever. So in our case, it's a town called Dienheim, which is um, I would say quite in the middle between Alzheim and Nierstein and um, the terra that we have here or the soil that we have here is um, it's less but with a quite high influence of um, limestone which mm -hmm. I think is very very interesting because you have actually the best of both worlds so from the less part you have like a fruity flavor um, which is typical, of course, for Rheinhessen Riesling. And but on the other side, you also have the strength and the power of limestone, yeah. which uh, 
get from a like from this kind of stony um, soil and i think the combination makes it very very special and yeah that's actually what i mean i think there was a uh, when when you smell you obviously have the fruity flavors uh, cheers but it's yeah. more also um like you said it's a combination because you also really taste the body in the wine and sometimes uh, especially with a dry riesling that's really not the goal i mean there's the acidity there's the freshness there's the crisp crispness but body is not always something you get i mean uh, with the soils and the differences that you have you can taste with this one if i compare it to other ones that i uh, already tasted from you guys and that i tasted in Rheinness, it's really a good well-structured wine yeah and i mean you for the odds wine you don't you you want it to have to be a little more complex of course than the goods wine it's not um, a, like an everyday drinking wine maybe if you're lucky you can do it <laughs> but um yeah. So it's more like for maybe also um, for like um, combination with some certain food or also for a special occasion, depending on which kind of wine it is. And uh, but it's not as complicated as a GG maybe. So sometimes a GG, it's like you don't just want to pour it and drink it. You just um, you have to you want to think about it. You want to talk about it. You want to discuss it. You want to understand it. Maybe open the bottle, drink a glass, open or mm -hmm. open. A next day drink another glass and want to experience the wine and for odds wine i think it's the perfect mix of of like both so it's still a wine that you can enjoy and drink easily but um it's a lot more complex than the, just the regular goods wine and it brings a lot more in this origin thing like where the wine comes from and that it really shows um where its roots uh, stand mm -hmm. that's a very very important thing in general in making wine the wine should always be like a fingerprint of um its origin yeah I, I agree and i think you're very successful in this and um also one of the questions that came up uh, if we talk about riesling uh, uh, widely popular in germany uh, i think it's grown in every major wine region well some more and some less but it's in every wine region you have riesling there's a lot of differences still with this with riesling even uh, within the regions you have of, uh, obviously the different types and styles of uh, Riesling. What would you say, you already told us a little bit, but what is, let's say, uh, a typical uh, Rheinhessen, if you can say, Rheinhessen Riesling, if you compare it to Mosul or you compare it to maybe Fals, let's say that. It's, this is a really, really hard question. And I actually, yeah. ask that, um, I can understand because uh, why would someone ask? buy a Rheinhessen Riesling and not one from Pfalz or from Rheingau and um, I think it's not like you cannot um, answer in, in one sentence because Rheinhessen is very like what's typical for Rheinhessen is the variety. Um, the three uh, soils you already mentioned in your own winery. Right. In, in soils yeah and I mean yeah. all winery we have three different ones now you can imagine Rheinhessen is the biggest wine growing region um, you have so many different soils even as i mentioned before in our um like sometimes even in one vineyard you have different tastes of and the riesling um, develops differently so this is something which is very typical for Rheinhesse that you have um, a lot of um very very different um rieslings that only come from from where they grow so it's it's yeah. not a maker it's not the the climate or anything it's just the soil and 
and the terroir that makes the Riesling um, no. so different. So maybe, maybe people that ask that question should uh, experience, try to experience more Riesling from different soils to start yeah. with. I mean, there's more than soils, but soils is a big influence, obviously. And then you can also learn what is, uh, what is more your preference and what's maybe something that you don't really like. So uh, with you guys, it's easy. You have three different ones. So if they go to your winery, they can buy yeah. three different soils. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Pretty good. cool. Like that. I like that actually mostly on, on, on Riesling because Riesling is so sensitive and it can like on one thing you have uh, on one side you have um, terror, but also every vintage is uh, different and um, you can rather it would it, it works as a dry wine. It's also really nice as a, like a light cabinet or so. And mm -hmm. there are beautiful Auslaser or Bernauslaser or something, uh, which are also amazing. So Riesling is um, like so, so... Um, Versatile. Yeah, that which yeah. is pretty cool. I agree. So uh, always important question for people that now want to try the wine because they're very enthusiastic after this show, obviously. Um, <laughs> what is some countries where you where the wines are available? Obviously, it depends on the volume and it depends on the, the vintage and the volume plus uh, the different, uh, let's say, uh, uh, styles that you have and the different your assortment. But are there some countries where people can buy them? And what's your main focus? Let's put it like that. So, um, yeah, as I said before, we have been pretty concentrated on um, Southeast Asia. So, but I suppose this is maybe not the main. Um, most main pe people most people in this school are from Italy, Holland, Germany, UK, France and Europe, I would say. So I don't know if any of these countries is uh, Germany, yeah. obviously, but... Of course, um, most is, um, we, we sell most of the wine which we don't export um, to Asia in, in Germany. And um, then we have um, Poland, where we um, sell wine to. Then we have Denmark and we have Norway. Uh, we have a small, um, a, cust a small customer in, um, in um, Holland as well. Mm -hmm. um, and um, Canada, but also this is not so interesting. <laughs> It's still quite spread out. Um, and my answer always also is to people if they ask this, you can just order with a lot of wine stores are in Germany. You can just order them and they will ship it to Holland. People think it's really expensive, but nine times out of 10, it's not that bad. You buy a couple of wines from a German wine store and then they will send it to Holland or to Italy or to the UK. So it's yeah. It's not that expensive. That's right. It's, we it's available. We also send sometimes when um, when we have customers in um, like in a country that we don't sell wine to, we are also able to 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 send the wine directly from the winery, yeah. which is not that expensive. Of course, it depends on on the country, but it's still um, happening quite often and yeah. works well. Maybe recurring customers that have been also at the winery to visit you, and then obviously are very became a fan, and they know what you have, what you sell, and then it's easy to come back directly and uh, to order with you guys. So yeah, always uh, working. So coming right. here to wine, that's always the best way actually to experience the product. Good. So let's go to the questions. Um, we already got some questions in. Uh, I want to start with the question from our last guest, James. Um, James is in wine education. He uh, created uh, uh, infographics, wine maps to 
teach people uh, the difficulties of wine regions, especially France, which is a very complex country. And if you want to learn about the different regions, it's not easy. So I asked him the question, as I always do. Do you have uh, a question for our next guest, Elizabeth? And you wanted to know, especially because you have such a long history with the family winery, is it... Um, uh heavy for you uh sometimes it might even feel as a burden to have this legacy or do you really see excitement to try new things and do you have the opportunity to do that i think you already told us a little bit about the opportunity but um i think um it might have been daunting a little uh, if i would have come back at the age of 19 when i left mm -hmm. school um but as i came back as like an adult at the age of 29 and knowing exactly what would um, happen or would, uh, what I would have to deal with. I mean, like maybe in 95% of the cases, <laughs> um, it was actually more the excitement that was a lot bigger. And of course, um, I'm also pretty lucky that my dad or my, my parents are very, very open. Um, they like, let me, um, um experience everything that i want to like to try out and that i can like find my own way to do but um in this case i have to say it's 100 excitement and it's um it's no pressure at all that's good that's good um also uh, another question uh, that came in via your channel is zekt so exact question 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 mark i guess so um maybe you've been talking to people about it or i don't know what the question is about probably when you're actually, gonna have sex yeah actually, um i was also quite surprised because um i yeah i don't know but i think that um sect definitely is a big theme right now so it's german sect is like one thing which is like so so um like oh, going right now and we do sect as well as well um we have different kinds of sect um, because we also saw that like this is something which is working pretty well also with our grapes with our products and um, what I did last year we actually harvested um, grapes for um, for a sect with a very long yeast um, storage so mm -hmm. um, gonna be a few more years um, until we can try it but I'm also I'm really really excited this is You're one really of the working on it yeah, yeah. I really wanted to do that for so long so um yeah we uh, have to wait for another i don't know like at least three four years or so and then we'll see it's a 100 percent chardonnay um sect and um yeah it's still in in these kind of uh, barrels that we can just see yeah. on the picture. so yeah i think it's gonna it's be waiting and resting and waiting yeah. to be ready to uh, continue in the, in the process exactly. it's a uh, um uh, um, for the for the people that are not from Germany, uh, some of them might not know what Zekt is, but it's uh, basically the German sparkling wine. Exactly, yeah. So uh, you don't have champagne, but you have Zekt. But it's it's the same method actually. Yeah, the same, yeah. Um, so it's sparkling wine, and it's um, called Zekt in Germany. But yeah, had been a thing um, in the past. So a few hundred years ago, everybody was drinking German Zekt instead mm -hmm. of other things. But we I don't know, lost some fans during the last century, I would say. Well, uh, at some at some point, Riesling was more expensive than uh, Burgundy wine. So sure. that's also true. So I can imagine that the Zekt was also very popular then. 
Yeah, Germans have to really work on like going back to what uh, German wine and sect had been um, like 100 years ago. But mm -hmm. we are all that, and I think like especially the young generation is doing a pretty good job on like making the German wine interesting and and big again. I agree. So somebody asked, which wine should we? Uh choose to pair with kibbling so for that's typical dutch but let's say fish and chips without the chips fried uh, battered fish uh, we were arguing about that because we didn't know yeah. but we found out that riesling works well <laughs> riesling is always i think it's um for most of the dishes um you can find the perfect riesling so because it's actually exactly what uh, what i said before Riesling works in a dry way. It works dry and like really, really like, I don't know, complex and, and deep, but also dry and light. It works with high acidity. It works with um, residual sugar. It works as a very, very sweet, old aged wine, maybe with some patrol, maybe with, I don't know, it's as it is so, so um, um, in so many different ways available. I think um, I would definitely um, take a Riesling maybe with some acidity, maybe with some sweetness. So maybe um, even the denial Riesling would not be the worst uh, choice for this mm -hmm. kind of dish. Good, good. Um, then some questions that came in. Why are we? Uh, why are you doing mostly dry wines and not predicates? Well, we talked a little bit about it. Maybe you want to add something to that question? Um, I think it's just also maybe um, like a personal taste that um is like we we all like in our winery we like dry wines and i think that um the 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 aromas they show a lot you can you can show them a lot or you can like discover a lot more on a, in a dry wine maybe um than in um in a wine where you only have a sweetness yeah. um not only not also also so the, pure, the pureness basically the what you want to show right and also not every um, vineyard um, you can like do a really nice um, sweet wine out of. So what we usually ch um, choose is a Pettental or Ölberg or Herrenberg. So the ones which bring a very, very certain aroma and mm -hmm. a certain specialty um, out. So you always have to make a decision, either more GG or yep. an, an also. So It's one or the other. Eh? Uh, nature gives you what, uh, what yeah, it has in store. It's, it depends on the yields as, as well. For example, 2019, we had really, really small yields. So we were happy to have um, even a little uh, Enough, dry. Uh, yeah. So we yeah, don't yeah. focus on anything else. But um, yeah, we still do. Um, when nature gives us a chance, we still do some predicats, wine and a cabinet or something like that. We almost have every year. So okay, that's cool. this one. Okay, another question. Which stereotype about German wines and a winery would you like to see changed or maybe further strengthened? Uh, well, she loves Riesling, so it's a believer. We don't have to uh, argue with her, but the question is a good question, I think. We already talked a little bit about it. 100 years ago, 150 years ago, it was the best of the best. Then a lot of things happened. Now it's becoming more popular. What is there to be changed or announced, maybe? I think it's um, the German winemakers maybe um, have focused on export as we have also did um, pretty much. Um, and we sometimes lost the people in our own country. So what you can see that um, the Germans, they import wines like crazy. They 
drink a lot of um, wines from other countries, but not a lot of German wine, which is pretty sad. And I think we have to start um, here first. So like educate our own people and yeah. show which uh, wines we can produce and how cool the German wine is. And so this is one of um, the main things that like my generation needs to do, like to um, make people buy more high quality wines and not the Tetra Pak yeah. uh, wines. A discount i i agree uh taste taste the best stuff and spend a little bit more and and yeah. really taste what what you already said what what the terroir what the soil what the vineyards have to offer and then you see the differences even within one grape variety that there are in uh, in a country like germany yeah. which is very big with a lot of different regions um Another question is, um, if you wouldn't have a winery in Rheinhessen, which area would your favorite area to be to make wine? That's a good one, I think. Uh, that's a nice question. Um, so I have to say, without lying, I'm happiest here in Rheinhessen. I couldn't think of anything better. But if I had to choose one, um, I would choose Champagne, <laughs> um, mm -hmm. Champagne. To live in Champagne and do the same thing there, but um, I think that would be a big problem for my liver. So, <laughs> you want to be your biggest customer, <laughs> yeah, right? I would definitely. Uh, well, it's a nice, very different, but uh, I can imagine that you don't want to go to some place that is pretty similar or a little different, it's totally no. different. So, that I think is a good choice. Exactly, yeah. yeah, and you can learn a lot from that, those areas as well. I know that a lot of uh, winemakers even uh, did internships, um, not even maybe in Champagne, but in Burgundy, for example, to really experience the different styles of winemaking and the French uh, style of winemaking. Um, I think we'll do one more question, um, and that I think is a combination. Uh, so, uh, first question was. Uh, isn't Rheinhessen to Southern uh, for Riesling to bring out the best of the in the grapes? And the other one is, will climate change push Riesling further north to a cooler climate? So I think it goes a little bit hand in hand. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think um, Rheinhessen is still has the perfect conditions still, but um, only if we rethink of the way of dealing with the grape variety. So um, as you explained before, um, leaf management will be a thing in the future more than right now so like we have to like maybe don't cut uh, too sharp and don't take too many leaves off and like the timing is pretty important as well and i think also mm -hmm. the like um, finding the perfect location for for your riesling is also a thing so maybe you would not choose this 100 100% south orientated hillside anymore maybe you choose a like a more, I don't know, northwest uh, part, maybe a little windy or anything. Um, so I think. And then you can, and then you can choose from the other great fire varieties and play around a little bit with that, obviously. And yeah. uh, like I said, uh, Chardonnay a couple of years ago in Germany wasn't a team, but now uh, almost every winery that I visited, uh, not in the Mosul, <laughs> so in the Mosul not really yet, but the other ones, they all have a Chardonnay in their assortment now these days, or a Weissburgunder at least. About um, the Chardonnay and um, actually, so my father, he was um, like, a person who experimented very much with grape varieties. This is also the reason why we have Merlot and why we had Merlot very um, early. But um, he was actually the one who planted the first Chardonnay vineyard in Rheinhessen. 
And so we have the oldest Chardonnay, uh, which is only four rows. And the, um, the Chardonnay that you tasted, the, the Alsem yep. Chardonnay from this vineyard. And um, I how remember... Old is, how old are these vines? Um, it was planted in early 80s, I think like 82 or 83 or so. Yeah, really, good, like, really old, yeah. Um, so at that time, Chardonnay was not officially like allowed in Red Hessel, so mm -hmm. it was Landwein, Landwein. So ah, of course. and um, I remember that he or I was not living, uh, I was not alive at that time, so I was not even mm -hmm. planned. <laughs> but so from like from what he said or from what he told me is that um, at that time um, you were not allowed to um, harvest when you wanted to, so there was like an official start, and then when yeah. harvest started you were allowed to harvest and this Hunyad was always very very ripe so he always was in, in trouble with like finding the the right um, timing and then what he mm -hmm. did is like um, he fermented them already at that time in barrique barrels that he brought from France so he was um, a big fan of, um, of France and of French wines and had a lot of French friends so um, yeah he did um, a lot of things actually that are pretty like um, right now with um like on time right now so people like to do that as well um and then he was pretty early with these kind of things which is quite cool so i'm trying to go back to that as well so oops sorry um also putting my chardonnay back into like uh, wooden barrels and we didn't do that before um also this vineyard was not very very special for us before but as i found this out is of course i wanted to like um do something bring it really back to alive exactly yeah Good. Yeah, but so, you're, uh, you're right, and I agree. Um, the grape varieties like Pinot, Blanc, and Chardonnay, they're like getting so more. He's always making his guest appearance now, I guess. I hear him in the background. Is it great? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's good. That's good. So, um, your, your favorite uh, champagne or uh, Zect or wine? That was a question that just popped up, and then we'll close it off because we're already out of time, but that's a good question. Um... That's a good question. Um, hmm. So it can be a wine. It doesn't need to be a sparkling then. Okay. So even this is pretty hard to answer. It's, it's so, more difficult. <laughs> there has been a, a wine that I'm, I really, really liked a lot. Um, it's a Rheinhessen wine, actually. Um, it's from one of our colleagues, um, also VDP, uh, from Battenfeld, Spania. Yeah, and I know. It's, um, it's a Riesling, um, of course. And... Um, it's for the um, uh, VDP Versteigerung, so they produce yeah. it for this, um, 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 especially for this, and it's the vintage 2008 that had been like impressing me pretty much. I like the way, or in general, I like their way of um, making wine, I like the style, I like this, like the, the coolness on the wines, like this, this, the strength and the energy that you can feel, and especially this wine that um, hit me pretty much. Uh, I was there also last summer and um, Caroline, if you're watching, mm -hmm. I don't know if you're watching, uh, I've already asked you if you want to be my uh, next guest for next season because uh, Battenfeld Spanier, I think Kulin Gilo, Battenfeld Spanier, it's a great winery, so they have some really interesting stuff. And the wine you're mentioning, I haven't tasted it yet, but I, I will take your word for it that it's a great wine because uh, they know how to make some good stuff there as well. And it's uh, there in the neighbors, basically from your area, yeah. right? So they have the same, uh, partially they have the same uh, vineyards, the same areas uh, where they produce as well. Yeah, some of them 
right? So Petental, for example, um, one of our Petental is next to one of their Petental. So oh, cool. So we nice. pretty <laughs> to each other. And yeah, even though Ranhessen is pretty big, um, actually everything's quite near to each other it's still, it's still it's still very centralized in in, in certain areas also around the river obviously but with the hills etc etc you're you're using this as well um for my next guest next week uh, i don't know if jean is still online because he was watching i saw uh jean belandrat for belandrat's uh, wines in uh, rueda in spain so we go to a very different area um what is a question that you would like to ask Sean, also being part of a family winery, uh, making a Vallejo mainly, but what will be your question for him? Yeah, I, I saw that um, the winery is like not that old as ours. Like um, they have, I have like around 25 years or so. And I, my, I, my question is like, they might've had like their, um, um, philosophy when they started or when his father started and I would like to know if he um, reached his goals so if he like reached what um, the idea of um, why he wanted to have the winery um, if he reached it and if they changed anything um, in their philosophy because okay. climate change of I don't know um, customers or anything so that's what I would like to, that's to know. Good question. That's a good question. Um, thank you very much, Elizabeth. I think um, we answered almost every question. Uh, uh, to be honest, uh, for this episode, we had most questions. So you were very popular and you're very in demand. Um, it was really nice to have you in the show. Uh, enjoyed the wines and uh, the Deenheim, but also the other ones. So for uh, people that are watching, uh, more reviews to come up. So uh, stay tuned for that. And then I uh, hope to see you uh, somewhere this year when Corona goes by. Yeah. And um, well, uh, I don't know if you have a final word to say, but I would like to thank you very much at least for the for the show. Um, I wanted to just to say the same. Thank you very much for inviting. Um, it's a pleasure to be part of your show, and I hope you can uh, come very soon and um, see all the vineyards live and. Um, Take well, you have great pictures, so you already sold me with those. Yeah, thank perfect. you very much, Elizabeth. <laughs> and uh, my regards to the family, and of course, not to forget Hugo. Hugo the hunter, yes. Yes, very good. Thank you, Elizabeth. Bye bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Be sure to visit us on Instagram at Dutch underscore wine underscore apprentice and check out our website www.dutchwineapprentice.com for the latest news and content. You can also subscribe to our newsletter through the contact section of our website.